This is episode number 127 with the Pranashyama Yoga Institute's CEO. She's a transformational yogi and she's incredibly powerful. This is Dasha Makone, otherwise known as Dasha Malove. You can find her all over Instagram as Dasha Malove, and I'm so excited to tell that story. But before we do that, let's cue this theme song. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to the show. First of all, namaste to every one of you out there who is sharing the podcast. I'm getting tagged with so many awesome story photos of you guys watching or listening to the podcast, and it's totally mind-blowing. I'm I'm so thankful for every single one of you guys who are tuning in every week who continue to share and push the message. You guys in the Creating Space tribe are so wicked. Um, so let me get that gratitude out of the way first. What's up? How we doing? Hope you're doing well. Wherever you are, recognize that's where you are, just like a Mindset Monday's topic on Monday. A couple of housekeeping topics before we get started. We've got a digital funnel workshop for you guys who are passionate about taking a product or a service that you have and learning how to sell it in the online space. So if even if you have a nine to five job and you desire to take your side hustle to the marketplace, if you're a yogi and you want to build international retreats, you're a life coach, you want to build international clientele, but the issue that you have is figuring out how to build funnels inside of your website to push people to find your product and then walk them through the lead process, the informational process of actually helping uh, guide them to conversion. We've built a two-day workshop that we want to work specifically for you guys, 90 minutes on a Saturday, 90 minutes on a Sunday, where you tune in with us. We'll walk you through our step-by-step process of literally getting your e-commerce on your website set up from your e-commerce, then you'll build the funnel. From the funnel, we'll teach you how to generate the attention of people, how to get them to find your product, and then how to add value to their life to help them understand why they need to interact with you and interact with your product, and then carry them to a conversion process where you'll learn to repeat this step-by-step process with any of your product or services and help you build and grow your online business. So that workshop can be found at creatingspacemovement.com slash digital dash funnels. To make it easy for you, just hop on over to the Instagram. It's the link in my bio and it will stay the link in my bio for the next couple of weeks. That's going to be in two weeks. You can find that at the link in my bio Or if you want to look it up right now, it's in the show notes of this podcast episode. Also, let's get to the iTunes review of the week. This iTunes review of the week comes from Michaela Emma Jill. She says, West Knight captivates his listeners with encouraging stories from people living their dreams. He brings to light impeccable models of people working to achieve their goals and how and why behind their processes. Wes also asks thought-provoking questions to entice you to find your purpose and start creating something for yourself that you are proud of to take the first step mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally motivating. Creating Space with Wes Knight is definitely worth following along with. Listening along is one of the highlights of my week. Michaela, so 
very thankful of that uh, iTunes review and namaste to you. If you would love to get um, your iTunes review featured on the podcast, jump over to iTunes and leave a review there um, at the podcast uh, creating space on the iTunes website. Also, I want to continue to figure out who the Creating Space tribe is. So we built out a repost of the week on Instagram. So those of you who are listening to the podcast and are inspired by the podcast and want to share the podcast with others, I'm going to be reposting the best post each week and uh, giving you guys a shout out on my Instagram as well. A great way for you to grab some attention to drive back to you and to uh, your profile to help build awareness around your brands or whatever it is that you guys have going on. We've got a great network of people and this is a way that I can continue to help support you guys in return for your support of the podcast. Now, that's a lot of housekeeping. The best part of this entire show is the podcast interview, and Dasha McCone is beaming. She's a beaming light. She's powerful. She's transforming people's lives with her worldwide yoga retreats, and she's been doing it for 12 years. Multiple books written, multiple instructional DVDs done. She's got uh, her own stand-up paddleboard line. She's one of the innovators and creators of stand-up paddleboarding as it is. She's a badass. So sit back. Relax. Let's get to know Dasha Malove. Dasha Makona, otherwise known as just Dashima or Dashima Love. I mean, you're transforming the world, really. You're a transformative yogi doing it in Bali and Hawaii and all places in between. Um, I heard about you, Jasmine Margrino, which was episode number four of Creating Space, was talking about you. A year ago, when I landed on the name Creating Space inside of her yoga practice, and we we got to talking, and she she had mentioned you, and then I started following you in the least creepy way possible, and have been checking out all of the cool things you're doing. Like, what's happening? Welcome to Creating Space. Thank you. So nice to be here. Yeah, really um, impressive all that you're doing. And I see you've worked with so many big time employers like you've been on CBS, you've worked with Nike, you've done um, you've written multiple books. I mean, you've you've been running these video tutorials and stand up paddleboarding um, retreats and you've been doing this for a long time. Like how long have you been in this game? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I started my company 12 years ago. I was kind of doing some complimentary type of things before that, but I officially launched this as what I do and my purpose and my passion 12 years ago. Wow. Wow. So I start off the uh, the podcast all the time with, with what are you grateful for? And I can't start and begin to dive in deeper without knowing right now in this moment, Dashima, what are you what are you grateful for? I am grateful for everything. <laughs> like yeah. life. I am so grateful right now for Hawaii. It is just the biggest blessing in my soul. I just feel so good here. Um, so grateful for yoga. I'm so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for for the journey that I've been on that's led me to this moment right now that's absolutely divinely perfect. And I'm really grateful to be able to share whatever I can to help people. Love that. Love that mindset. And it's always interesting to bring different peak performers in different places in their lives onto the show and ask the exact same question because I've never heard the same thing twice. Um, I guess following behind that, you're grateful for where you are right now, but 
where did this all begin? Where did you grow up and where did this start for you? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a long story. <laughs> I can make the short version, make the short version. I had a really unusual childhood. My my mom and dad were they were kind of like hippies, you know, from the seventies, really into you know, alternative ways of living, but actually into yoga and consciousness on some levels and spirituality and organic, you know, food and everything like that. And then. So they've, so been, was, they've been talking consciousness to you since you were a, a little child. You've been hearing this. You were brought up in a spiritual uh, surrounding. In the beginning. Yeah. So in the beginning they were. And it was really, really interesting because I mean, I learned stuff. They knew stuff that people didn't even, still don't even know. You know, like they were ahead of the game big time. Like red 40 gives you cancer. Like she was so, my mom was so progressive in her understanding of, of everything that, you know, she wouldn't let us have Kool-Aid. Like she was, she was kind of like very uh, protective of us. She, so they didn't let us go to school even, you know, they homeschooled us in the beginning because they felt like the, you know, the school systems are kind of just like cranking out sausages and not really like, you know, sure. offering much to the children, you know, and, and we were vegans. And so it was like a very interesting thing. I, um, introduced very early mother was very spiritual and she would do like astral traveling and, you know, things like that. But what I happened, love that. I love that. I, I don't want to stop you there, but I just gotten into reading more about astral projecting projection. And I feel like that whole side of things is so fascinating. And it's almost, I don't want to derail you from the conversation, but that if you were being spoken those types of things at a young age, I can't imagine what your imagination must must be like. Sometimes opening up that whole plexus can like provide me with so much anxiety. The thought of just how massive it is, as far as the scope of the universe and like the opportunity and the the things that could the potential for what could be, you know? Yeah. Well, it's nice because I did get it so early that it's not nothing ever, you know, intimidates me on that level. Like, I think the biggest challenge of it is that I've always had a limitless expanded consciousness and like not very many other people have that. So it's like, you know, just adapting to everybody and where they're at has been, you know, I'm, I'm good at it now. And I think it's a gift because now I can, I can always say I'm very, I can read people so I can usually, I'll know where somebody's at. So you don't go to those dimensions because then they think you're weird or like they can't relate. And so to be able to meet anyone where they're at is really, you know, a strong gift that I developed over the years. <laughs> but having the ability and the, and the awareness to be able to see like the limitless expanded existence of all creation all the time. And then at the same time, like how do we fit into that in this moment? And like, how do I apply what's currently available to me to be able to make the best of this moment? And so, wow. All right. We're starting, we're starting well. Um, obviously it's a, an early expanded level of, of consciousness. You're, you are being exposed to levels that most people probably won't ever expand to in their lives. When did that moment kind of change from being led from your parents, right? In this state of consciousness to you taking that baton, so to speak, and carrying it. When did you awaken, I guess, and, and start to move forward with your own um, desires? Well, what happened is a very unusual story, actually. When I So that was very early. And then around age seven, my mother lost her mind. So she lost her mind completely. She became schizophrenic. And I saw it happen. I was, I remember the day and it was like the most 
I mean, now I've done like, you know, 30 years of healing around it. So I feel like a great peace around the, um, the truth of that. But at the time it was so traumatic and, you know, I lost my mother completely. Like she never came back. And so what happened? It was, it was drug induced. She was uh, taking cocaine and peyote and all sorts of things combined, I think. And alcohol, you know, so, so many things. And, um, so she had a lot of her own traumas, you know, from her childhood. So she had seen her father die in front of her when he was cutting the Christmas tree when, when she was 12. And so she had all these unhealed traumas inside of herself and she just never healed it. So it just manifested in this massive like consciousness meltdown situation, which is what ended up happening with her. But basically when that happened, my whole life changed. I was seven years old. I remember it specifically. And she just totally shifted. And she ended up taking us on this crazy adventure. We She wanted to go down to Columbia because that was like the, where all the cocaine was at. So she was like straight to the wow. Mecca. And wow. we went on a long, like six-month road trip when I was seven. And we lived like in Mexico and an abandoned house in Belize and like all these crazy places. We ended up in jail in Guatemala. And we got to sit in the, the, the throne of the kings in the in the Aztec pyramids in the jungle. And so we had all this interesting experience very early. And that was like age seven. But then after that, they took us away from my parents because my parents were like totally out there. They both basically lost their mind. And so we were raised in foster homes after that. And so it started this very unusual journey of like you were asking, when did I take the baton? I guess that would be then because it was like I was all of a sudden my own parents and I had to learn to be my own parents and also to connect to like mother, father, God being my parents that were of the expanded infinite nature because the physical parents kind of both checked out and I was really young. So that's when I, I mean, it was very traumatic. I remember thinking, you know, at the time I would cry a lot and I felt a lot of separation. Like I felt that deep pain of separation energy and I think it taught me so much because yoga is so much about that unity energy, the consciousness that all is one. So to feel the deepest separation energy really early and then to to regain the wholeness through the path um, has been my life journey. And, and it's been the most, you know, it's been very challenging, but at the same time, so worth it, you know, to go through all these experiences and to... And to have the realization that everything is in divine and perfect order and that everything happens for a reason and this is just to make you stronger and like kind of these these lessons that we learn through our challenges, you know, but I just learned them very early through a very unusual way. <laughs> well, in that moment when you're beginning to deal with that energy of, ang- of anxiety and separation all at the same time, I'm sure, um, what were some of the steps that helped you kind of move through that experience and to continue to move forward. Obviously you're a young child, but what were some of the things that you would resort to, to keep you whole and to keep you happy and to keep you um, confident in moving forward? I feel like one of the biggest things that I always had to go back to was I have three sisters. So first of all, we didn't all get to grow up together. We were split up, but just knowing that I had them, I felt the love that we had. So it's always like love um, always kept me in that place. And then I learned later, and my belief now more than ever is that 
you know, God is love. So like to be able to connect to the energy of love and to know that no matter what, you're going to be okay, because that force is so powerful that you don't even need to be in the same space as someone if you have that strong of love, that the love itself is an entity of its own that will give you strength when you when you don't have anything else. So love and then nature, you know, like connecting with nature. I think that that's why I'm so like, you know, even more than ever now into it. It's like just being in nature provides such a deep, it's like a comforting, nurturing energy, like a mother energy. So just being in nature is like connecting with that infinite intelligence of source because it lives and breathes through the prana of nature. So being in nature, specifically for me, the ocean, but also, you know, any kind of nature, trees, plants, anything, jungles are really powerful for me, forests, but definitely nature. And then, and then for me also, I've always been a kind of learner. So like getting into learning something, you know, like focusing on the expansion of my awareness, my consciousness, my intelligence, whatever it is, but just like learning something um, that I'm passionate about or interested in uh, has always been a great method to you know, move away from, you know, the challenging energy and into something that feels like aligned. And then, yeah, connecting with people. I found out through my astrology, I'm like a destined to be a people person, you know, I have like eight planets in the relationship houses. And so it's like just connecting with people has always been a big thing. I've always been a friendly person. I was always a very popular person. Like I was a cheerleader and an athlete and I was in all the clubs and I was always at the parties. And I look now and I realize it's because I've always been this people person just connecting with people, you know, and, and having that feeling of this expanded network of humanity and that we are all interconnected and we're all here to support each other. And that we're all, you know, we're all one on the biggest right. level. Right. So who's your big, in, biggest influence during this time of your life, you know, as you're growing of age and coming of age, when you look back in your hindsight, who was the biggest influence or who made the biggest impact in your life? that you kind of carry with you now? When I was a little girl, I my aunt gave me a book and it was called um, How to Be Like Women of Influence. And it's a, it's a book of 20 of the greatest women of the 20th century. And it was such a cool book because each, each chapter had a different, you know, woman who had made a huge difference. It was like Mother Teresa. Uh, Oprah was in there, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt, like all the big, you know, people that had done something. And um, each one of them had a quality that was associated with her character. So like Mother Teresa, I think was like compassion, you know, and um, Oprah, I think was something like um, strength, you know, each one had like a word. And, and when I read that book, it changed my life in a way because it, it wasn't one person that I can ever think of that was that one person. Although Oprah was always inspiring to me for some reason. Um, But when I look at it, it was just like the kind of the combination of these women who had risen above challenges in life that inspired me that everything is possible and that, you know, whatever my story might have been, that that wasn't who I was going to end up as. And that, mm. that, that was just like the kind of launching pad to something better. It was like, all right, I started at the very bottom. So whatever is from here is up. And I'm <laughs> everything, whatever I do, I'm always going to be the best at it. I always had that feeling. 
and that I had this, uh, you know, drive towards having greatness. So it was like always like, okay, whether it's through like, you know, humanitarianism, like um, Mother Teresa, or whether it's through the mass media, like Oprah, like they're both totally different approaches, but they're just impacting humanity in a very beautiful and deep level. And that was what inspired me. It wasn't like one way or the other. And so I think I have had kind of like a, an approach that's across the board. Like I do mass right. media, that's not my only thing, like Oprah, but then I do humanitarianism, but that's not my only thing, like Mother Teresa. So I just, I kind of always just take a little bit from everybody that inspires me and then I just go with whatever is, you know, aligned at that moment. So for those of you who are listening in right now, you got to follow her on social media. She's a, a, a trip to follow. She's uh, so <laughs> engaging and she's obviously in Bali and in Indonesia and she's in Hawaii. She's in incredible settings doing yoga at sunset and it's incredible. So um, you got to check her out. It's her, her Instagram is Dashima Love. As we, you, you really teed this up beautifully, right? And the, the, the reason behind me beginning this podcast was really the death, the death of a story inside of me. And the story inside of me was that I was a footballer and I was only a footballer and that I was not capable. I was completely incapable of um, adapting to a new type of life um, through the stories that I think I had been given for in, in childhood and the those stories I had ran with in a scarcity mindset, fixed mindset that I didn't even realize I had. And so it leveraged me through injury and through, you know, all courses of my own um, actions of my own. It leveraged me to a place where I was suicidal. And in that moment, um, it was fight or flight. And I thankfully um, decided in that moment that I couldn't make the, the, um, the, the ultimate decision and that I needed to fight, right? And in that moment was kind of my Malcolm Gladwell tipping point. And that's where I began to remove or begin the journey of removing the story and opening the void or creating the space for the person and the habits and the character and the disposition that I really wanted to have for the next phase of my life. Um, and thus this desire to help people do the, become comfortable to do the same thing is where um, my my mission and my vision is headed now. So creating space and that that mindset, what does that mean specifically to you? Yeah, I use that, that phrase a lot actually in my yoga teaching when I'm teaching yoga. And I think it's a really powerful and important understanding of life, you know, because truly if you think of a cell, like if you think of a cell, a cell represents basically a microcosm of the universe, right? So it's exact replica of how it's created and made up. The cell has a nucleus, which is a very small part of the cell. And then like most of the cell is open space. And it's the same with the universe. So the universe has like the sun and a few planets and stuff. And then like most of the universe that exists beyond what we, we think we see, these plants, we see all this stuff, mostly everything is empty space. And I think it's like 99% of everything is purely empty space. And somehow through human, I guess, conditioning, we start to want to fill all the space with whatever stuff. You see it in people's homes. Every square centimeter has got stuff or <laughs> yeah. the closet. It, you know, it's a reflection a lot of times of the inner space, right? So if you don't have any open space inside, 
of yourself and your consciousness and your mind and your awareness and your in your heart in your environment and your understanding of, of existence it, because the rest of the space is empty space is so filled with all of your beliefs and your thoughts and your story and your whole like you like that's the ego that thinks it knows everything kind of filling all that space then you're missing out on this like really magical experience of life because that 99% is not meant to be filled with anything. And, mm. and in the open space, in that like totally like void space is where everything exists. But it's in everything that is not tangible. It's not something that you're gonna put your finger on it. You're not gonna have a picture of that because it's like a invisible everything. The invisible realm is so much more fulfilling and and rewarding and nurturing and empowering and, and whole than anything that you're going to put into that space so the creating space when when i talk about it from that perspective it's really like diving into that ocean of existence that they're like they call it nothingness but it's not nothing in the term of nothing but it's in the term of everythingness that that exists in that space so creating that space, you really can't create it. It already exists. All you can do is get out of its way so that you can access it or in some way connect to it. And that's what we do through yoga, through meditation, through the breath work, through mantras, and, and all the different practices that I teach and that I practice is, is really to access and to connect to that and that space is beyond the ego. So that's why yoga, it does start to help to chip away at the ego because the less you, there's a saying that's something like, you know, the wise man knows he knows nothing, you know? So it's like the, the, the stripping away of what you think you know is the road toward true knowing, you know? And so in that void space, that's like, the absence of all that stuff that you think you know. Mm. So powerful. Um, and I love to hear that your entire practice from top to bottom is all devoted upon this notion of allowing people to slow down, cut out the ego, get really, um, I, I, I would guess it would be comfortable listening to the, the, the inner space or like the divine hum i guess it would call it or like that that i i guess the the best way that i would describe it would be the language of divinity right it I, when i try to slow down and there are times where the ego is speaking to me at a space in my gut right and i think it might be the the like my um my true self speaking to me or the divine or however you want to call it right i oftentimes mistake or don't have the proper um, practice to get me to a place to go through the ego and to get to that space that you're talking about. What have you found that is the most profound way for you to cut to that space and get to a place where you know the next step and it's been revealed to you and, and you understand that that's the direction you need to go and you just move with it instead of against it? A practice you're asking like what's the most absolutely like what is what is a way that you can get to that place and what which practices do you use that help you get 
to, to develop that relationship, to figure out how to move in the direction that the universe is pushing you and instead of swimming upstream against it? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, actually, I, I would say out of every practice, out of almost everything that I'm good at, that's one of the things I'm the best at. Oh, into that because, because I'm actually like a, in some weird ways, like intuitive psychic, like I have this very subtleized um, relationship to energy and it's, it's a tough thing to teach. And so I dedicate my life to try to teach it. And I think that it's the kind of thing they call it like peeling away layers, you know, like it's like an onion. You got to peel away a lot of layers to get to that subtleized place where you can access it and trust it. The reason I think that people, because I think a lot of people access it, like you get guidance, you get these messages, and then you don't trust it, so you don't listen, so you go into resistance, and that's what you call, you know, swimming upstream mm -hmm. is resistance. It's like you you knew what you should have done, you didn't do it, you did the opposite. Now you're going into resistance, right. and so it's that. It's the understanding, and usually the best and only way to get to it, I think, is to have experienced the, the challenge and the pain of the opposite. That's one thing that I've learned. It's almost like humans love to learn through pain. It's the easiest way to learn. But sometimes you got to learn through pain 20, 30 times over 20, 30 years, and then finally you get like, all right, done with pain. But like, <laughs> until you're done with pain, you're going to keep learning through pain. And the, the way that we learn the, the, what, what pain teaches is you're going the wrong way it's like the number one message if you're in pain if you're struggling if you're feeling like you're swimming upstream it's it's pretty much guaranteed it's because you're not listening to your soul and your soul already told you that what you need to do but you're sure. not doing it sure. so you, but that's where the ego comes in so the ego thinks it knows more than the soul and so it says well you just watch, we're going to do it this way and we're going to do fine. And then you, and then you struggle and you go against the stream and you suffer and then you have pain. And then, then finally you come to a breaking point and then you surrender. Usually surrender can only come from getting to the very, very deepest pain. You're like, fine, right. I give up. I surrender. <laughs> so I surrender. Then you finally get to the place that you've been trying to get to the whole time, which is, divine providence living with the awareness that like the guidance is clear in your best interest every time and it's always almost the opposite of what your ego thought you should do or what you you know so that's the hard way i try to teach it the easy way um which most people don't like to learn because like there's something in the human ego and consciousness that thinks it needs to struggle like it's a very interesting addiction it's like the addiction to struggle the addiction to to to, um, to to not having life be easy and perfect and aligned and in the flow, like there's something about that that just seems too perfect. That the consciousness of most ego kind of driven humanity is not ready for it. So instead, it goes like, all right, that's the easy way. It seems like it's like so. I'm gonna come up with a couple reasons why that's just not appropriate for me, and I'm gonna go this other way. And then right. I'm <laughs> I hit my head against the wall enough and then I'm bleeding all over my own face and then I'm like looking back at that other way again being like huh let me see what that again and maybe I'm going to try that way again this time so I don't know there's just different ways but the the way that, that yoga teaches it and that's why I love to teach through yoga because most of the time people don't come to yoga until they've already smashed their head against the wall enough and they're bleeding all over themselves and then they're like alright maybe I'm going to try something like yoga and then they come and then they're like oh 
okay, so I can just sit here and like breathe and do some mantras or something. And then all of a sudden, like the message will be so clear that I'll just like unmistakably know what to do. And then my only goal or job in this moment is listen to that message. And I'm just sitting here and it just came to me. And, you know, so it's like, it almost seems too easy. So I think most people don't, don't do it. And then they make up a whole mind thing around that it's actually hard. Like, oh, sitting, you know, I got to do yoga. That's going to be hard. What's harder? 10, 20 years of smashing your head against the wall, bleeding all over the place and having a hell of a time or sitting there and doing some breath work and actually just listening to your soul. I mean, it depends on how you look at life, but I definitely think that one way it would be like a little bit easier, but for whatever reason, sometimes you got to hit your head a lot and tell you. <laughs> well, you're talking, you're talking to a guy who just came out of a yoga practice this morning that a lot that aligned me and dropped me into the current instead of swimming, oh, swimming upstream any longer. Um, and I think I came to this realization inside of, of the, the entire practice this morning that we were going to run some retreats and then we were going to do some seminars and working with people to push through and create some space uh, and learning some of these properties as well. But at the same time, I think it allowed me to be extremely curious and almost understand that I need to take a yoga certification course and kind of take that, take the course simply to understand a deeper um, space inside myself and a deeper understanding of who I am and maybe to shed some trauma as well and to go through some healing that I feel like is calling uh, me in that direction. What do you believe yoga has helped you heal from? Uh, what comes to mind when, when you think about the trauma maybe that you healed from or the transformation that it's done in your life? Well, there's two, two answers to that because Yoga, the word yoga, it means, you know, union. So it's actually, I think most people, when they think of the word yoga, they think of what you're talking about, like going to a yoga class. But just the word yoga alone, I think has been the most healing thing. Not, not the word itself, but the understanding of that experience. Because a lot of people might go to yoga classes and they don't experience union. So they're not actually experiencing yoga but they might experience it for like a minute or two within the practice so then they can touch that experience and they feel that this that to access that is possible and then they keep going back and that's what gets people hooked in is because you keep going back because the more you do it the, the the longer you can sustain that connection to that to that experience of oneness the oneness which is beyond self and interconnected to all things and all beings and then also to source so it's like that oneness of all creation energy so that's yoga but there's like different ways that people see yoga so if you're thinking yoga like in terms of like um the practice of asanas you know that's like one of the levels of, of how to access that experience and then there are many many other practices um but so when i learned for myself the practices beyond the asana and in different things, even through shamanic medicine work and, and um, deep meditations beyond that are not really taught in yoga that often and stuff. That's when the deepest healing, I think, has occurred for me. And that's why I think it's really important that I mention that because I, I, I feel like I went, been, went along for quite a while, you know, just teaching asanas. And, and then there came a time when I realized that that's like, 
one piece of a very big puzzle that is what we're what I refer to as the path of yoga, but that is actually, you know, a whole lifestyle and like wrapping your your whole existence around it is the healing of all the traumas because each thing that you do when you have an awareness of it you start to see the reasons why you're doing these things and how whether they're serving you or they're not whether it's healing you or it's making you less whole you know and it includes your relationships your your partnerships your um business that you do the way that you show up and all of that that's all for me a huge part of the yoga so it's difficult for me to to say one specific answer to your question but i hope that starts a little no it's 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 excellent it's just getting deeper into your mindset and what is really important to you to have created this source of alignment that you have and and it's really it's really inspiring to watch someone who's walking in their path and who is swimming downstream and seemingly has the power of source to move through them. And, and I've, I've heard you mention that before. When it comes to that alignment and things that really ignite your soul and light you up right now in this moment, what are you really focused on and what's inspiring you right now? You know, I, I dedicated the last 12 years to teaching yoga and traveling around the world consistently for the last seven or eight years, actually. I haven't been in one place for long. Right. And very interesting because I just finished teaching 90 days in a row. So it was something like 900 hours of teaching. And I did it very intentionally. Um, I was getting to the core of something, that deep, deep thing um, that I mentioned in the beginning when I was talking about the childhood that I had and the trauma that came from that pain of separation from my it started from the pain of separation from my own family. And, but I realized that that pain of separation is so ancient and it's not, it's not personal at all. It's not, it's not me. And it's not only my pain. It, it's actually the, the pain that everybody in the world is experiencing. And that's something very unusual. I don't know. It's, it's kind of maybe part of my unique soul that I feel the pain of humanity but that I had the revelation that it wasn't just my own pain and that it was, you know, what pushed me all these years to keep, you know, cranking out all the stuff. I have like so many things that I've created, like you said, many books, all these, like I have like, I think 30 something DVDs that I've produced and, you know, millions of people that that do my programs. So it's like, but this push that comes from within is to share this, because I see that, you know, right now we're in a very pivotal place in um, humanity, but also the earth. And if you follow like any of the environmental information that's out right now about climate change and, you know, there's a lot of science, science backing and, and, and understanding about the pivotal place we are right now in the existence of the planet earth and humanity um, and the balance that we're, that the imbalance that we've created here that it's kind of at a tipping point that we either have to make a huge shift or the planet itself and and all of the people that live on the planet won't make it because of the imbalance and the tipping point how like the population is growing so fast 
It's not sustainable to the planet. And the things that the humans are doing on the planet is killing the planet, which is our only home. So it's like this huge um, kind of like opportunity (laughs) for people that are leaders to step up and actually take initiative because there's a few things that can be done on a mass level that would actually turn the tides and and change everything and that we would you know survive i guess you could say that, that the sure. planet itself won't you know go into a total uh disaster mode like it did back when the dinosaurs became extinct or whatever you know like these types of things um happen every every however many millions of years and that's where we are interestingly i feel in this time in our in our existence on earth we're in one of those pivotal times so that's like just my you know experience of you know existence as a as a species and also on the planet but so i think that yoga and why i'm so passionate about spreading it is because it sparks consciousness you know and um also the work that i've done with indigenous shaman around the world for for the past you know for many many years actually but basically that like to spark consciousness but then to give people a real path to follow so that they can do what needs to be done to make a difference. And if they're a leader, so they can rise to the top and really make a difference. And if they're not a leader, but if they, maybe they can do something in their local community or in their home or whatever, but that just to spark consciousness to begin with is important because there's a lot of people that are asleep in this world. We call it, we, in my teacher training, we were talking about this, we call them sheeple, you know, like people that are, (laughs) They're just kind of like following the herd and they have no, no relationship to their inner connectedness to the other beings on the planet and what they're doing and how that's impacting the planet and, and the amount of, you know, like excuses that are created around actions, which I myself have done it too. So I'm not going to say I never did. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Cause I was one time not awake in any ways where I would do things and I w- wouldn't really care of the repercussion or I, I had some excuses that somehow justified my actions. And then once you wake up to that, you realize how asleep that you've been. And so it's really important. I think right now, that's what I'm really passionate about. So everything that I do is really for that, um, for that, to wake people up and to transform them and to help them to, you know, make a difference. Because I feel like that's the leverage that I can make is that not only I can make a difference, I can only make a difference in as much as I can do. But if I can help others to become awake and for them to find a purpose and in the big picture of, of this movement of consciousness, then then we can leverage, you know, more people. And they said it only takes like 8,000 people to be completely awake in order for the, um, the shift to happen. So, I mean... I don't know how many people are on the planet that are completely awake, but I don't think it's 8,000 yet. Otherwise, we wouldn't be at the place we are. So I think we got right, right. to do. But I feel confident it will happen, and I'm dedicated to it. And the people that I am you know, connected to and that I really admire that are making a difference, you know, I see they're really tirelessly like also dedicated to this. Love it. Is this your superpower? You think you mentioned having the ability, uh, being an empath and uh, maybe some psychic abilities. Do you think your ability to recognize sheeple and transform them into awake human beings might be your divine um, ability? Well, I don't need to recognize sheeple because um, the thing with the, with the whole system is that nobody awakens until they're ready. So that's the tricky thing. Like you can't 
go to someone and be like, you need to awaken. Like it doesn't work like that. There has to be a spark inside. But if you continue to lead by example as that flame, then, you know, when they do get a little spark inside, they'll start to recognize that flame. And so all I can be is a flame. And then, you know, life is going to somehow create that spark inside for the people. Um, so I'm not here to recognize sheep at all. But when they do awaken, I feel my role is actually after they awaken uh, to, you know, help them to find sure. their way. Because I, that's what I've been doing for 12 years is teaching people, you know, how to, after you are awakened a little bit, you don't have to be fully awakened, just like a little spark of something like to think like, wow, there's something more than, than what I have. And right. I don't suffer anymore. And maybe life can be pleasurable and easy. And, and, you know, maybe my relationships can be good and these types of things. So once people have that spark, then they find me usually, and then their life is forever changed. So that's where I think my role in the big picture is not to light the spark somehow, but more like once the spark is a little bit, then they're going to find the flame. <laughs> what is your best experience with this sparking? When I think of a transformation that you've seen someone go through or something that comes straight to your mind when I think, uh, when you think of an accomplishment that you're most proud of, what would that be? I have a lot of amazing, you know, success stories, I guess you could say. I mean, right. the years people came to me and, you know, they always tell me, the nice thing is they always share with me their stories. Like there was this one guy and he was like so cute. He's like used to be from Alabama. It was like football player, like really big guy, the least likely to do yoga. Right. And uh, somehow he found my videos and he started doing my videos online. And then he ended up coming to my uh, live yoga training. And in two weeks, he lost like 40 pounds. He got off all of his prescription drugs and it changed his life so much. He, he um, went back home. He ended up getting married. Um, he stayed in shape. He's still doing yoga like seven years later. And he, um, he's just so inspiring. He's still doing uh, healthy eating. He emails me all the time. Like he's, he's so grateful. He's just stayed on the path. That kind of story is so cool because it's someone who is like the least likely, you know, and yet like that spark came and then it got into a fire. And now his wife does yoga with him. They got a kid. They're going to do kid yoga. Love it. I mean, yoga for me, I mean, some people be like, oh, yoga, yoga, but like, it's, it's that consciousness, it's that connectedness, it's that relationship to your soul and to source and to do that as a family, that's even more amazing. So I love to see that kind of story. I mean, I've had like many, many success stories where people came and they were like, before I met you, I was asleep. So even if someone had a spark, like after they meet me, they become a flame. But you know, <laughs> I feel that the spark has to somehow get them to find me. Right. So that's, I found that the that link is but all the stories are amazing i had so many people you know and then what, what i love is when they when they become so passionate about it then, then they're like i want to teach yoga because it changed my life so much and that's when i see all these people coming to my yoga teacher training and they say wow you know like this has changed my life so much i want to share this and that's what really the core of a good yoga teacher is coming from that desire to spread the good energy the the like healing and the the alignment and that connection to spread that is, you know, the, the, the deepest and most profound experience of, you know, humanity, because it's really compassion. It's knowing that there are people suffering and to have that recognition because you yourself have been suffering and then to realize there's a way out of the suffering and then to want to, you know, share that. And so that's, that's one thing that really drives me 
but I've had many, many success stories with people. And so it's pretty much a big part of what drove me so far is like all these people. I mean, I probably, I don't know if I would have kept so dedicated about it, but like everyone would email me and it'd be like, Oh my God, it changed my life. It'd be like a simple thing. Like I would make these bed yoga videos and like, I was just, you know, I love doing bed yoga. So I was like bed yoga videos. And so I'm bed yoga and people literally well, and I thought they were just watching it because they're like some little girl in a bed. And I thought, uh, but then I realized it was really like people getting a lot out of it. Like this one girl came to my teacher training. She said she found me because of the bed yoga. She had insomnia. She was not able to sleep for years. It was hard for her. And then she did the bed yoga and it, it cured her insomnia. No and then way. She did- so passionate about it and she came to my teacher training and um she's like a singer and stuff she's like so beautiful so it's interesting you know you never know like one little thing can change someone's life you know like bed yoga who would have thought same thing with like paddleboard yoga like i kind of started that trend and then all of a sudden you know that became huge and paddleboard yoga what i love about it is it brings so much joy it's like the most joyful way to do yoga like sure. on the water the sunshine you got a dolphin or a turtle or something and it's just like such pure joy and it's like these type of things that can introduce you to a feeling that you couldn't get probably from anything else. And then once you've had a relationship to that feeling, then you can access it again and again. And then that's how you can raise your vibration and, and to be, you know, a higher vibration person. So these kinds of things is what, yeah, I feel really inspired about. It's so good. I'm, I'm grateful for what you've chosen to do to serve and to serve other people. And the deeper I get into my own capacity to serve in my own unique way, the more I recognize people who are ahead of me in their journeys, who are serving and have been serving for so long, the long list of service that they've been doing and how they have invariably transformed people and helped change lives. And obviously, I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to kind of slow down with you, which I'm sure you probably live at this slower pace in your mind, but yet you seem to be working so quickly in the physical realm. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an awesome uh, experience to watch you. But as, I, as we round this thing out, um, I would love, I'm, I'm motivated by legacy. It's so important for me as I, it, re, it resonated so well with me when you spoke about wanting to be the best at anything you put your mind to. And, and I have that exact feeling whatever i decide i don't do it unless i'm all in 100 committed and this thing has begun to take a, a whole different complexion than i had ever imagined when i was first turning on the podcast and i hit hit the red record button and there were 22 people that downloaded it in the first week and all of a sudden it's this whole new animal and <laughs> it's just cranking up my level of love and appreciation and desire to continue to develop it all to be able to say when it's all said and done that I was able to impact people. And I I had something that could help someone get something else. Um, What do you believe your legacy is right now? Right now? Right now. (laughs) Well, you know, I was thinking about that because I, you know, sometimes you have to make a bio and then in the bio you have to like describe, I guess, what you do or something. And I thought, you know, the word um, innovator comes to me because I was a part of kind of starting a lot of different trends in, in my industry. And it makes me feel good about that because I feel that, you know, it's innovation that is like that spark of creativity that transforms the world in a way because 
without anything new, you know, we would never have expansion. So as we have innovation coming into different realms, that's how we have expansion. So like, for instance, when I started 30 day yoga challenge, and I was the one of the first people on YouTube, and I was kind of an innovator in the sense of putting yoga out in that way, like, um, getting people enrolled and through social media and through video and, and regular daily and, you know, like kind of now that's one of the biggest things that people do is like yoga challenges. You can see those every, everywhere. Sure. And I feel that was a kind of, and it just comes, those ty types of ideas come to me. So I think it's, it's not me. Um, it's a gift and it's like a channel. Uh, it's a nice thing to, now I have the awareness that I have this, which is a gift that the, the, whatever it is comes through and then I just do it. And then if it's meant to change the world, then it's obvious because then a lot of people get on board with the thing. And then all of a sudden everybody starts doing the thing, whether it's the, the yoga challenges or something in regards to yoga on a paddleboard or whatever kind of innovation, but that it, it shifts, it shifts the world in a way that opens up a new dy a dynamic with the relationship that we have with consciousness. And so even like yoga on a paddleboard or yoga in the bed, some of those things, they may seem, you know, kind of simple and like just play or something. But I feel that it also opens up a whole dimension of, you know, permission for people to enjoy life and to not be so hard on themselves. Like, because sometimes in yoga, you get so deep into the healing of it and the conscious, you know, inner work. And, and that's also so powerful and profound. But at the same time, you got to have that balance that it's like, you know what, and we have sunshine and rainbows and like there's a right. dolphin. Life is beautiful and enjoy it and, and to really like tap into that other side of it, which is the joy and the lightheartedness, which is the balance of it all. So my legacy, I would say, is um, it, uh, up until now, you know, just a leader in this in this movement, specifically in regards to yoga and the innovations around this this movement because I think yoga is not the only part of the conscious movement, but it's a, it's at the heart of a lot of it because it's, it's really that commitment to the path of conscious living is what yoga represents to me when you're a real yogi. Like if you're just going to yoga class like once a month, that's a different thing. But if you're committed to a conscious lifestyle and that you're committed to that every action, thought, word, and deed that you ever have within your you know, beingness, is affecting the world around you, whether you know it or not, and then you become very aware of that, and and, and it becomes very important all the things that you're thinking and and feeling. Then you know that's what I think I want my legacy to be is that I would be you know a big part of that movement and a leader in that. So, so hopefully that's what it is. You definitely already fulfilled that. And the next <laughs> and the, the final question to that question that the follow-up would be obviously you're in in full recognition of the innovation and and the forward thinking aspect that you have had for the consciousness movement specifically in the in western civilization right now when it comes to your eulogy when it's all said and done the difference between your legacy right now and the time that you have left here for your eulogy what would you like to see you be able to accomplish in that time between those those pinnacle points you know, I was thinking about that the other day. It's, it's interesting that you said that because, um, you know, I'm really into astrology and it actually says in my astrology that I'm going to live really long time. Like, yeah, let's go. That's awesome. 
but I, I always knew that I felt like I would be maybe like 150 and I didn't understand why I felt I just like I want to be so old um and that felt good to me like it wasn't like my sister she wants to not live that long she has a different right. approach but for me I felt like so I know I'm gonna live a really long life and because I'm so committed to my health I'll probably be like that like little old lady like 100 and whatever doing yoga and stuff right. but so it's crazy because I started thinking, well, I'm only 36, so I have a long way to go, like maybe sure. 140 years. <laughs> like right. So in that, I mean, who's to say? But because um, so much has happened in such a short life. Um, but one of the things, that, a couple of the things that I know are going to happen that I feel for sure comfortable knowing, and it even confirmed it in my astrology. One of them is that I will become really renowned for my research. And that is something that I'm excited about. It's a, I'm doing a project with Harvard, I think I mentioned, I don't know, uh, with Harvard uh, University and Warwick University um, in London. And it's a research about yoga and how through yoga you can access the flow state of consciousness. So this is a part of something that I know that my destiny is here for. You know, it's like I'm. there's a reason that I'm living this incredibly strange life that's constantly in the flow of like globally just moving around and just I, I didn't understand before but now I see you know it's been preparation it's like training ground right like sure. how do you live in the constant flow and feel comfortable in that current because in the beginning it was very uncomfortable like I was like oh my god I'm like I don't have any roots and um now it's like I'm gaining the roots of that and and so that's one of the things definitely I think through my research uh, that we'll do is going to make a big um, impact into the world and how people view the power of yoga. Because one of the things that I think, you know, it's taken time, but so far, let's say like the medical industry has really confirmed all the power that yoga has to heal and prevent disease and sickness and stuff. So like from that perspective, it's kind of gaining traction. Um, and then, but now this is going to be from the perspective from the corporate side. Right. So we'll be working with Warwick, which is a business school and, um, they want to apply the, the research into showing how like employees and executives and stuff can, can access that flow state and apply it into their work so that they can, you know, channel creativity and have less sickness and, and more, you know, happiness and, um, and also increase profitability and, and how that you know, that flow state that can come through the practice of yoga can be applied into the more of a corporate setting, which I always felt was so important because I always thought to myself, if there's any way you're going to change the world, even from the environmental standpoint, especially it's through the corporations, because those are the ones that are polluting the most. Sure. So if you got a big factory and they're pumping out millions of tons of like soot or whatever garbage into the air, that's what's causing climate problems. It's not just like, you know, five homes over here. It's like that millions of you know people that work for that corporation you know that's really where we can see the change and so approaching it from the understanding that um oddly and i've always been into business but to be able to affect through the corporate um side of humanity um with yoga and with the research that we're doing i think is going to be part of my part of my legacy that's what i really feel i've gotten that guidance a couple of times that it's definitely and then um and then just the books that I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book right now, but like just I'll be writing more books. I know that. And then um, and and probably a lot more through through the digital media as well. So that's always been what I've been doing. So it just feels so, so natural. I don't think that that will ever end. And I think it'll keep expanding. And uh, I'm going to be franchising my school. So just kind of spreading yoga in all these different ways. <laughs> 
is so incredible. You got so many things going on. And just for you to take time to slow down, uh, create some space with us and spend a little time expanding on how you've gotten to the place that you are now and where, where you intend on heading. Dashima, where can people connect with you that are super interested in maybe learning more about your retreats or finding you on online? Where can they do that? I right now I have two websites that mainly people find me through. So dashima.com, that's my membership site. And it also has some information about my yoga teacher trainings and retreats and different products and DVDs and programs and courses. So dashima.com and then um, pranashama.com is my school. So that's where a lot of information about the teacher trainings, the retreats, the stuff yoga and like all the different stuff that I do. You can see it on pranashama.com. Eventually we're going to be combining these two in the next little bit. But basically, and also, Emailing directly is always good. You can email me at dashima at dashima.com. And um, I'm on social media a lot. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, all of the things. Yeah. If you look up Dashima, you'll usually find me, even though like each page has its own name. Dashima Love, Dashima Kona. Right. It's so good. And guys, I'll have that all uh, put into the show notes so you can literally look into your handheld device um, and find and connect with Dashima at any of her websites or any of her social links there. Dashima, namaste to you. I'm so excited to have connected and to spend a little bit of time. And I hope this isn't the first time that we get to and the only time that we get to cross paths. Yeah, me too. I'm really happy to connect with you as well. 